0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. I'm so grateful you're here today. All right. Today, my guest is Jen Panero, and she is going to talk to us about sustainability in simple, simple ways. Okay, so we first start talking about composting. I had lots of composting questions. It's something I've always been a little bit interested in and seems overwhelming and like too much work, so I just don't do it like many things in this uh, category of life. So, she goes over some really simple ways that we can compost if that's something we're interested in doing and also why we should compost. We also talk about Amazon Prime, choosing to buy less, choosing where we buy things from, and of course, turning 40 because I'm turning 40 this year and so is Jen, so we have to talk about that, right? Uh, You gotta go follow Jen. She's got an awesome Instagram. It's called Honestly Modern. What I love about what she does is she talks about sustainability for modern families. We're not like trying to go all crazy here and it's not an all or nothing approach. So I think she's gonna give you a couple ideas that you can take with you in your day-to-day life. And I share about what the term voluntary hardship is. Do you know what that is? We're gonna talk about it in this episode. Uh, all right, friends, if you do enjoy this podcast episode, leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share it with your friends on social media. That is one of the best ways new listeners can find us. Uh, all right, please enjoy my conversation with Jen. All right, today on the podcast, we have Jen Panero on the show. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for having me so excited to chat with you. So you're fresh off. Were you at a tennis lesson or were you just hitting balls or what?
1: I was playing tennis with some friends. So we had just like a casual, I guess we were playing a match against each other, but just for fun. So
0: fun. Okay. Where do you live? Like what state?
1: Yeah. I live in Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia. So I live in a suburb of the, of Philly.
0: I just asked because we moved from Indiana to North Carolina and like the amount of tennis that is played here yeah. is insane. Everybody I meet, they're like, do you play tennis? And I'm like, no, I don't play tennis. But <laughs> it wasn't a huge thing in Indiana.
1: Yeah. I would imagine. So I grew up in Minnesota and there was some tennis there. Um, the weather makes it hard though. Like in the Midwest where there's like long winters and so much snow and like you'd have to play indoors. And I, th- I would think the weather is a big driving factor of, um, more people playing in North Carolina,
0: right? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, but last tennis question: How yeah. long have you been playing? Has this been like a thing for you for a while?
1: I grew up playing tennis, so I have played. Um, I played like as a kid, and then I played in high school, and then I played a little bit after college. Uh, I didn't play in college. I played a little bit after college, and then I took like a ten-year hiatus when my kids were young, and I just got back into playing tennis like maybe last summer. Um, so it's it's not a new thing by any means, but it's new for now.
0: Yeah. What what was that like for you, though, taking the break when your kids were young?
1: Um, You know, I actually just didn't really want to play tennis for a long time. I think it got to the point where like when I right when I stopped playing, I didn't have enough time to play enough to play well. So it just Uh got to be frustrating. Right. It was like when I would get on the court, I would play like trash and I'd be really unhappy about it. And I wasn't feeling good. Like I, you know, my body would hurt and all this kind of stuff. Cause I just wasn't playing enough to like be in good shape to, to play the way I wanted to. Um, so I was like, forget this, I'm done. Um, it's too expensive. And, uh, you know, also it's too expensive. And in addition to just like not having time to like do, to play as much as I wanted to. Um, and so now my kids are almost nine and 11 and they're doing some of their own things when they're at school, I can play. So I just have some more flexibility now to play, um, a couple times a week, which is, which is great. So.
0: I love that. I love that we can like walk away from things when we're not, when it
1: doesn't make sense and we can come right back. Yes. It was not serving me, no pun intended. (laughs) And now it is serving me really well. So, so yeah, that's good.
0: Oh, ebbs and flows of life, right? Yeah. I say moms and dads of little littles can appreciate this. Hopefully if they're taking breaks from certain things that just don't make sense for them right now. Um, okay. So tell us about your story with sustainability and your platform, honestly, modern. I love what you're doing. Where did you even discover this passion?
1: Sure. So I can say I definitely did not grow up in a world where sustainability was something that we thought about. Like it wasn't a bad thing. It just wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Um, it was not something that I stumbled into until probably I want to say like maybe 2015 or so. Um, I got into blogging maybe like in 2013 blogged about some other things, um, and stumbled into thrift shopping for clothes. And I started to, that, that was kind of like the trigger that got me into thinking about, um, you know, what is the sustainability impact of the clothing that we wear? How can we make that better? Um, kind of dabbled in like the fair trade ideas a little bit, um, thinking about the impact on the environment and on the people who make our clothes, that kind of thing. Um, and then that interest and curiosity, I just followed the curiosity really, and, um, learned a lot more about the sustainability of our lives in general. Um, and so, so that, that clothing focus or that clothing interest sort of grew into, um, you know, food waste and um, just consumption in general, and how can we just be more intentional about the impact of all of the things that we're buying and using and throwing away um, and, on a daily basis? So, so yeah, it, it transitioned into that, and like I guess I didn't fully answer your question in terms of like how it got to honestly modern. Um, so I was, I had this blog on the side. I was actually, um, I was a CPA. For a long time, so I worked at a big like national accounting firm. That's my background, that's my education. And while I was doing that, I had this blog on the side. Um, it was sort of like building on it over the years, and um, it, it it eventually became a place where I really focused on sustainability, sustainable living for families. Because as I got more curious about it, and I was looking around for resources. I found a lot of resources that worked really well. They were from women who were childless and, you know, those that worked really well for them. But what I was finding was that there was a lot of things that just didn't apply to families with kids. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just different. So to give you like a really concrete example, um, when we think about food waste, right? So we think about like, you know, Don't buy something if you're not going to use it. Um, Don't serve food if you know you're not going to, you know, if you know it's going to end up in the trash, like that's wasteful. And so you don't want to create food waste. But at the same time, like I want my kids to try new foods, especially if I have picky eaters, right? Like I have toddlers, I have young kids. I don't exactly know how much they're going to eat, right? From day to day, like a, a young child could be having three bites and be full or having, you know, 300 bites and still not be full. Um, and so, so that's just like a real, a microcosm of this idea that like, I had some resources about like how to reduce food waste, but also like, then what do you do when you're thinking about dealing with a picky eater or dealing with a child who like doesn't have consistent, um, food intake, which is, which is totally normal. Um, and so I wanted to create this, this space where I was taking these ideas about sustainable living and then sort of transitioning or tra- transferring them into like, but what if you're doing this with kids? um how is that different how do we make it more accessible how do we make it more um more really like available to parents which I felt like I was having trouble making that transition and so as I was learning how to do it I thought what the heck why not just put this on the internet (laughs) and maybe other people will find it useful too so
0: yeah it's so good too because You, um, balance it really well in a way that's like not all or nothing. And I really appreciate that because sometimes it can feel overwhelming. Like if I'm not going all in what's even the point, um, Speaking of the food thing, I'm, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, how many of us have like poured something into a different bowl or like just swapped out one of the pieces of bread to make it look like it's made brand new for your kid because yeah. you don't want to <laughs> waste the food. But if they think it's old or, the, you know, they're not going to touch it, like, oh my gosh, yes. so many, like, or I'll make a smoothie and then I'm like, I'll shake it back up and then put it in a new cup. Like, yeah, so many tricks. Right.
1: <laughs> That's so true. Yes. Oh my exactly. gosh. Okay. Yeah.
0: So. So I think a fun place to start would be the food waste. Uh, I have been interested in the composting thing and I've been like, it's just like, like chickens, for instance. I'm like, it sounds like a really good idea. Like these fresh, awesome eggs, free range eggs. But when it comes down to it, I'm like, oh, it also seems like a lot of work and I already feel overwhelmed. So can you just like give us basics, like compost basics? If you wanted to start, you don't do anything right now.
1: Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So my first recommendation is if you're just getting started and you're feeling overwhelmed, explore the options available to you that where you can compost and you don't actually have to process it yourself. Um, so the, my favorite way to do it, and it's, you know, there's some, there's some affordability issues, but my, my best recommendation is if you have a pickup service. So if you can hire somebody, whether it's a private company, a municipal service, um anybody who will come and pick up your compost, there's services all over the United States, um a lot of municipal services in Canada. I don't know exactly how far your geographic reaches, but um in the US and Canada there's a ton of compost pickup services available. Certainly not available to everybody, but they are in a lot of places and worth exploring. Um it's really just like your trash. So basically what happens is you have a bucket, it's usually about a 5 gallon bucket, put your food scraps in it, put it at the end of your driveway at the, you know, once every week, once every two weeks, whatever it is. Um, Some municipal services use larger buckets, which is also fine. Um, But anyways, you put it at the end of your driveway or wherever you put your trash and they come and pick it up and you just do the same thing. So it feels just like your trash and recycling. So that's always going to be my number one recommendation. I think it's the easiest thing to do um, if it's in your budget that's the way to go. Like What's let someone else do the dirty work. Um, it can be anywhere between like $10 a month to like 25 or $30 a okay. month. so it's not,
0: um, too, it's not too
1: crazy. Yeah. Not too crazy. And if you, if you're lucky enough to live in a municipality where they do it, it's often included in your tax, um, oh. in your taxes. So there's like, there are places like California where, um, they're starting to do it. Like it, it's essentially free. Uh, I mean, free, like your taxes pay for it. (laughs) Right,
0: right. right. Um, But
1: there's not an additional cost that you're going to see showing up in your monthly budget to have your food scraps picked up separately from your trash. Um, So that's my number one recommendation. The other recommendation that I have is called share waste and share waste is an app on your phone. So you just download the app and share waste has what are called hosts and donors, compost host and compost donors. And so I am a share waste host. I I do like, what that means is I accept food scraps from my neighbors. So on this app, I put in like my address and I say, I accept these types of food scraps and I have a bin that sits in my yard. And like literally just this morning, somebody came up, they dropped their food scraps in my compost bin. Um, and you know, they, and they left, I, I honestly don't even know what they look like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like could maybe see them get out of their car sometimes. So so I'm on the host side, but that's because I've been doing composting for a while. I have a big yard. I have space. I Whatever. Um, but if you're just getting started, look into share waste and see if there's a host near you and you can be what's called a compost donor. So basically you reach out. It could be a person like me. Oftentimes it's a community garden that's accepting food scraps and you just collect your food scraps over the course of like a week or two. And then once every one or two weeks, you would drive to that location, drop them off, and then you'd come back to your house. So you could hopefully drop them off, like you know, while you were out running, running errands, going to Target, getting groceries, whatever you're doing. Um, so share waste I think is another awesome option, or just like if you have a neighbor who composts, just ask them if you can give them your food scraps. Chances are you probably can. Um, so those are two of my favorite options. Um, if you want to compost yourself and have like a bin at your house, um, my favorite bin is called a soil saver, and that's something that sits on the ground and has a lock on the top. So when, when I say a lock, it's just like these little, um, these little plastic pieces that sort of like lock in so that, that like a raccoon can't pull the top off or whatever. Um, and then you just dump your food scraps in, mix them with some browns, which are like newspaper, cardboard, shredded office paper, dried leaves, a whole bunch of different things. So if you're willing to like get a little dirty, turn it once in a while, if you're interested in like the gardening aspect of it, um, the soil saver is my favorite like compost bin if you want to do it at your house. But, um, but yeah, if you're just getting started, look for the services where people will, will, um, do the dirty work for you of like actually the processing. And then you just have to collect your food scraps and, you know, hand them off to, to let someone else, um, do all the the hard work. So,
0: okay. Love those ideas. I love how tangible and, and easy they are to digest. Yes. Why do we do it?
1: Why do we, okay. So food waste is one of the largest environmental issues that we are experiencing right now. So when we think about climate change, we think about, you know, global warming, all that stuff. Um, Food waste is a huge, huge problem. So first of all, we're throwing away like 30 to 40% of the food that we're producing. So imagine if you went to the grocery store. It's crazy, right? So imagine if you went to the grocery store and you bought five bags of groceries and you just left two of them in the parking lot and drove away every single time you went to the grocery store. It is wild, right? To think about like, why would I do that? Food prices are crazy. Like, why would you do that? Um, And so we throw away a ton of food. And it gets lost in the entire supply chain. So it can get really complicated really fast. But we're throwing away a ton of food. Um, And in a world where we've got a ton of food insecurity, we've got rising food prices, all that kind of thing, um, you know, from a social perspective, right, that's just important to us personally to try and reduce that food waste. From an environmental perspective, um, the food waste, once it ends up in a landfill, It actually releases, so food in a landfill doesn't break down the way that it does in a compost bin. So to give you like a real quick overview of a compost bin, so you have like a relative perspective, when you put food in a compost bin or a big pile or whatever, you know, you send it off to your municipality and they process it properly. You've got food waste, which is like heavy in nitrogen. You've got browns, which are heavy in carbon. So again, that's your, your paper products. Um, your dried leaves, things like that. And then you have oxygen and water. And when you, com- when you combine those four ingredients, they create an environment where these microorganisms, these like healthy, good bacteria and other, you know, little living bugs and things like that, um, can break down that food waste into like basic nutrients that then plants can absorb and use to create like the circle of life effectively, um, the circle of food. So that's why the, the the microorganisms break down all that food waste, break down all those carbons and nitrogen, and break it into their basic elements. So when you spread it on soil or a farm or something like that, once it's finished processing, it actually helps regenerate that soil and make that soil healthier. Right. So that's that's if we're doing it the right way. Um, and healthy soil, it you know, it creates healthier food. It absorbs more water. It helps with droughts. It has all sorts of benefits. Um, alternatively. If we're putting that food waste into a trash can and we're sending it off to a landfill, not only do we have like all of those emissions from the trucks and the processing and things like that, um, but once that food waste ends up in a landfill, there's no oxygen for that, those microorganisms to survive. So the food ends up getting s- kind of like stuck. I mean, that's sort of a simplified term, but it doesn't break down properly and it releases a whole bunch of methane. Methane is a greenhouse gas similar to carbon dioxide, but it's much more potent. So when we talk about like, you know, oh, the emissions from our our the engines and our cars releasing CO2 that's warming the atmosphere and contributing to this this climate change situation, the methane from landfills that's coming from our food scraps is as bad or worse. So it's not only like we've kind of got this with our food waste situation, we've kind of got this like if we're throwing our food waste in the trash, we have two problems, right? Like we're not regenerating our soil because the the food waste is not being broken down and put back onto the soil and making it healthier. So, right, we're not regenerating the soil, but we're also creating methane emissions in our landfills. So it's a twofold problem that if we could figure out how to compost and how to, or how to turn that food waste into something useful, we can solve both problems at the same time. But yeah, so- Long story short, food waste is a big, big, big environmental problem. Um, and composting is one way that we can try and tackle that.
0: Hey, friends, I want to tell you about Hello Skincare, their lash therapy. Oh my gosh. If you are looking to give your eyelashes a little boost and not be like crazy with the extensions and all the things, this is the simplest thing. It is a serum that you just apply brush out of the shower to your eyelashes and it will work wonders. I seriously was not a believer until I tried it and it is crazy. The serum is a deep conditioning blend of peptides, vegan stem cells, vitamins, and amino acids to fortify and amplify the appearance of lash length and fullness. It works. You can expect fabulous, Flutterworthy lashes in just 60 days. I say 30 though. I swear I noticed a difference in like two weeks. Go to helloskincare.com. Use the code Lindsay H two zero for 20% off your order. You can also use this on your brows as well. Helloskincare.com. Use the code Lindsay H two zero for 20% off. All right, friends back to the show. Um, okay. What do we compost?
1: What can you compost? Okay, so technically, you can compost anything that ever lived. Okay, and so if it came from a tree, it lived at some point, you can compost it. If it was an animal, you could compost it. Um, you can compost humans. So, there's like, there are (laughs) you know, when you die, like if you decide you don't want to be buried, like you can be composted. That's a thing, that's so Um, crazy. It is crazy. I know. But, I, but just to give you an idea, like literally anything that ever lived can be composted. Now, you'll hear all sorts of things about like maybe you shouldn't compost A, B or C. Um, don't compost X, Y or Z because of these different reasons. So what can be composted is different than what you might recommend someone compost, depending on how they are composting. Okay. I'll give you a couple of examples. So let's say, like, I have a municipal composting service that comes to my house and picks up my food scraps once a week. And so I'm going to put them in a bucket. It's nice and tight. It doesn't smell, whatever. They're going to take it to like a massive processing facility. It's going to be professionally managed, all that kind of stuff. You can put just about anything that's ever lived in there. You can put your meat scraps, you can put your oils, you can put your dairy, all that kind of stuff. On the other hand, if you're going to compost in your backyard, the things that I just mentioned, like meat scraps and dairy and oily types of things, they're going to slow down the compost process in your backyard because it's just not, it doesn't get as hot. It's not professionally managed. It's not turned all the time. So things like meat and oil and dairy, um, those types of things are going to end up slowing the process and probably attracting unwanted pests to your compost bin. So if you're composting at home on your own, A lot of people are going to say, don't compost meat, don't compost dairy, don't compost oils, things like that. I would say that that's true, especially for a beginner. Okay. Is it possible for someone to compost at home and and compost those things after they're, you know, have developed some skills and they're, they're sort of advanced? Absolutely. But I wouldn't start there. Um, So I would say if you want to compost at home and you're like, I want to get that soil saver bin, I want to do this myself. I'm ready to, you know, dive in and, and turn my compost things like produce uh, scraps so fruits and vegetables are a good place to start um and they can be they can they raw is totally fine if they're cooked in like a little bit of oil or butter like as long as it's not excessive it's not going to hurt your compost pile so fruits and fruits and veggies those kind of scraps um and then paired with like shredded cardboard or ripped up cardboard um, shredded office paper, like your junk mail, not the envelopes and like the shiny things, but yeah. just like the, the regular, like school papers, things like that. Um, dried leaves. That's where I would start.
0: What about like eggshells?
1: Eggshells can definitely go in your compost bin okay. and com- and uh, coffee grinds are another thing too, that are great for compost bins. Um, they're high in nitrogen and they really help to like speed up that process and create a lot of heat, um, that makes that compost bin a really nice place for those microorganisms to thrive. Um, so yeah, eggshells,
0: the filter, the go for it, toss is? them in.
1: Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. You can definitely oh, toss to in know. the filters. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and you want to know gosh. a random little factoid? Yes. So a lot of Starbucks, if you do want to compost at home, a lot of Starbucks keep their coffee filters and coffee grinds in a separate container. So you can actually like walk up to the counter when you're picking up your Starbucks or just, I don't drink coffee. So you could just, you know, I just sometimes go to Starbucks, um, and say, Hey, can I have your coffee grounds? And they'll just give you a bag of coffee grounds that you can oh. add to your compost bin if like, if you need them or want them or whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, it's another way that you can like get more stuff for your compost bin if you want it.
0: Okay. I think that my first step is going to be looking up that share waste app. Cause like, what if my neighbor yes. like right next door has it and they're like a host and yes. I didn't even know. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So let's, let's move to like talking to our kids about this and how much sure. do your kids participate in your composting?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, so my kids, like I actually ran a, a curbside composting company for a couple of years and I okay. sold it recently. So my kids know that I'm like giant composting nerd. And so in terms of how much do they participate? I mean, they, they know the rules. They know how it works. They, they don't get too involved in the actual process. Um, they know like their food scraps. They know what should go in the, like we're, we we do not we keep our counter or we keep our food scraps in a, a countertop bin that I was has wondering like a, about that. Yeah. So we keep them. So basically I'll, I'll sort of back up a little bit and tell you what the process is to yeah. get them to our bin. Yeah. And then I can tell you like where our kids are involved in that process. So let's say that I'm like making dinner and I'm cutting up making a salad or something. Right. So we'll keep like basic raw food scraps and I'm cutting off like the ends of a carrot. I don't know. So I take those food scraps and I put them into this countertop bin that is maybe a little bit bigger, than like a half gallon milk jug. Um, so it's, you know, it sits on our counter. It has on the inside a charcoal filter and that charcoal filter sticks like right in the top of the lid. And that really helps to keep, um, to keep any smells in, to keep any fruit flies out, things like that. So we rarely have problems with like stinky food scraps causing issues in our kitchen. Um, You can put a liner in the bin, which I think is really helpful. Like if you're sort of composting, I know can have that like sort of gross factor. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. A liner, there's, there are bioplastic liners, like compostable liners that you can put inside, just like you'd put a trash bag in your, um, in your trash bin. You can put a bioplastic liner in your like countertop compost crock or whatever you want to call it. Um, And that helps really make things a lot cleaner. So not necessary, but like if the gross factor is important, but you still want to compost, that can really help. So my kids know where the compost bin is or the count, you know, the countertop little container. They know that there are certain food scraps that go in the compost bucket. They put their food scraps in there when it's relevant. Um, periodically I either take those food scraps and I'll put them in our outdoor bin or I will put them in our curbside bucket kind of depending on what's in there. Um, like I wouldn't, like I mentioned earlier, if we have something in there, like, you know, meat scraps or whatever, like I'm going to send that to our pickup service. Um, and, you know, and if it's just food scrap, like, like, uh, fruits and vegetables and things like that, I might put them in our compost bin. And just as a caveat, most people don't have multiple composting systems. That's just me. Cause <laughs> I'm a big composting nerd and I like to try them all and test them all. Um, so I can tell people about them and, you know, help people figure out which, which one is the best for them. Um, so the fact that I have two doesn't mean anybody needs to, <laughs> like you don't, um, But, yeah, so they they know, like, in the kitchen, and they're involved in the kitchen in terms of putting their food scraps in the bin, they don't really get too involved in, um, you know, taking it out. But it's similar to the trash, right? Like, if your kids kids can bring a trash bag out to the trash bin, they can bring a compost bag out to the compost bucket. If they can walk into the curb, same.
0: So I have, like the dumbest question I know you're not bring it on I love it (laughs) I know you're not supposed to say questions are dumb so if there's any kids listening it's not a dumb question (laughs) what what about when we put our food in the garbage disposal where's that food going I'm like my mind is going crazy right now (laughs)
1: Yeah. So I, I actually need to do a better job of like learning this. I was just talking to someone about it yesterday, but that food is going to, it depends on, it depends on like where you live really. So where I live, I have, um, a septic system. So that food would go into my septic tank, which is not a good place for it. Um, some people that have septic tanks have, have, uh, a garbage disposal. We do not, but if you do have a garbage disposal and it's going through your, like, it's, it's probably going through to, uh, for most people to a municipal, like water Treatment plant, and okay. so it's going with all your water. It's all ground up, and it's going to mix. Probably with, I I think I'm, I'm not gonna like I'm not an expert on this, but here's okay. what I think happens. Um, I think it mixes with the your water from, say, like your toilet, and all of the sludge that's in there ends up getting processed um, and filtered out through that that filtration system, like at the at the sewage treatment plant. Or the water treatment plant, whatever it is. Um, and so there's actually some interesting things that they can do. Like if you have a garbage disposal and your options are to put your 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 food waste in your trash or your garbage disposal, I mean, I don't know every situation specifically, but from an environmental perspective, I would say probably put it down your garbage disposal. I think that's a better option than throwing it in your trash. Um, still, like I'm a big composting nerd. So if we can do that, like that's even better, but, right. you know, baby steps. Um, so there are options. There's an increasing number. Uh, there's like there's more and more sort of research and development around taking that sludge that like from a water treatment plant and turning it into some sort of bioproduct that can be used for energy. So like almost like um, think about it like a charcoal pellet. It's not what it is, but something like that where we can take all of that waste and then turn it into energy. Um, so not all places are doing that. Like I, I don't know what all water treatment plants do with that junk that comes through, um, but I'm pretty sure it ends up in the same place that your toilet water ends up.
0: Wow, it's kind of just like wild to think about this whole yeah. system here. Like <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. Moving on to the next thing, I noticed that sure. you. And I hope that everybody has taken notes on the composting, and we can all maybe we'll do like a compost challenge or something like that. My yeah, husband's for sure. gonna like roll his eyes at me if
1: I try. This, <laughs> and and my last thing about composting is yeah. like even if you and we get, this get, get this gets back into like your idea about something is better than nothing or like start somewhere. You don't have to be perfect. So like even if you say like I can only compost in the summer because that's when I feel comfortable processing it, or I can only compost uh, you know, I can only bring my food scraps once a month. So I'm going to fill my bucket and bring them once a month. Like that's better than, and then I'm going to throw my food scraps in the trash the other two months, like start somewhere, right. Get comfortable with that, that habit of like diverting your food scraps away from your trash and doing something different. Probably over time, like you'll figure out that it's not that hard. um, if there's a system that you, you know, can find that works for you or whatever. Um, but just start somewhere. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like a perfect system where there's, nothing going down your garbage disposal or nothing going in your trash or anything like that. So that's my last soapbox, two cents.
0: <laughs> uh, quick question on recycling. I feel like yeah. I hear people say like, "Ugh, it doesn't even get sorted anyway. Like tell me about recycling at home. I mean, we recycle, but half the time yeah. I'm like, is this even going to work? Is this even going where it needs to
1: go? It really depends on like who's picking up your recycling and what, if you're in a municipality or if you have a private hauler, Um, there's a huge mix. And so I don't really know exactly what to say, like in terms of where where you are. Um, Some of it does get sorted. Some of it, so I can tell you this, certain types of recycling products are much more valuable in a recycling market than others. So if you think about cardboard or you think about metal, right? Those products as like a clean cardboard or a metal, that can get recycled several times. And there's a market for people to buy recycled paper products and recycled metal. So a recycling company, in order for them to like be profitable and make money picking up your recycling and doing something with it, there has to be someone at the other end of the market who buys that output from them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like when you have cardboard or metal, um, those things have pretty high value, especially the metal have a decent, decent value at the end. So it makes sense for your um, recycling company to pick those up and to sort them and to get them to an end user who can reuse them. Plastic, on the other hand, is much more complicated. Mm. So there's different types of plastic. Some of them are more recyclable than they say they are. Um, and if your recycler doesn't have a great place to like send those products where they're actually going to get paid something for them, then the likelihood of them being able to like make the business case that it's worth processing them properly is tough. Um, So it depends on what the product is, right? Like our cardboard and our our metals are probably by and large being recycled better than the plastics um, just because they do have those, like those more mature markets. Um, But it also depends on where you live. So there are growing problems with recycling being expensive and municipalities, for example, just saying like, we can't pay for this anymore. We, we don't have like, unless you want to pay more in taxes, this is no longer in our budget. Um, so recycling is better than nothing, but it's certainly not like a magic tool that I think a lot of us hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, and maybe sometimes think that it is. So it's, again, it's better than throwing everything in the trash most of the time, but like there are plenty of places where either they just don't have the resources or they're not willing to commit the budget to pay for things to be recycled properly, even if they're being separated properly by the um, like residents.
0: I remember b- when I was a kid, like taking the recycling with my mom, like loading everything up in the van and like, she would have everything separated perfectly. And like, yeah, we just don't do that anymore. We just like throw all the recycling in the recycling bin. And I, and I think she paid, you know, I mean, yeah, we yeah. pick up here too, but um yeah. It seemed like there, everything was like very organized, but it wasn't this like pickup service that we have. Yeah. I
1: think, so there are, and again, it's going to depend on where you live. There are definitely more like what we call single stream recycling systems. And so that means that like whoever, like the recycling companies, once it gets to a facility, they have systems and machines and things like that that can separate out, um, you know, separate out the metals and pull out the plastics and pull out the cardboard and thing like, things like that. So they do have more. Um, tools and, and machines than we probably used to, but it's still like really far from a perfect system.
0: The other thing that caught my attention that you do is hang dry your clothes. And yes, (laughs) I actually, I love it because I'm like, Oh my gosh, fresh air on your clothes. Um, so tell us your system and encourage us, tell us why you do it and encourage us to do it too. (laughs) Sure.
1: Okay. So I, I hang dry my clothes, honestly, because I like it. Um, So the, the way that it, the way that it works is I generally, uh, I mean, I, I usually pick a day once a week or so to do all my laundry. Um, I do look at the weather, so, you know, I'm not going to pick a day and it generally tends to be like Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That just is what what works for us. Um, so I'll kind of pick a day around there to do laundry. And if, if it ends up raining on a day that I was planning on doing laundry, then like, it's just going to have to wait for the next day or two, um, we have enough clothes. I don't mind pulling something out of the wash, you know, dirty clothes. If my kids need, you know, uh, pants for baseball or something like that, like you're going to have to wear them dirty today. Um, but anyways, so I generally plan around. I guess I plan around the weather, but it, it's not that hard. It can be cold um, when you when you hang dry clothes. They don't hang dry quite as quickly. But anyways, so what I do is I put the clothes in the washer, and then as they come out of the washer. I'm putting the next load in, like while I'm putting clothes, while I'm hanging clothes to dry. Um, And I don't hang everything. Like I hang probably half of our clothes. So a good amount of clothes, we, they would hang dry anyways. They're supposed to based on like the type of fabric and things like that. So I was hanging them like over racks all over the place anyways. And so I was like, why not just buy a a rotary line that I like and feels better? Um, So I, so I did that. Um, but yeah, so I hang dry my clothes. Part of the reason is the dryer is one of the appliances in our house that uses the most energy. And so I, um, in terms of drying our clothes, we can reduce the amount of energy that that's dry, that dryer is using. Um, you know, that's reducing energy is good for the environment, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I do that, but so I, there are environmental reasons why it's good to dry clothes, but honestly, if I hated it, I wouldn't do it. And, and the reason I, I like it is because I go outside for like 10 or 15 minutes by myself and no one bothers me yes. because no one's super interested. <laughs> yeah. Like actually sometimes my husband comes out and helps me and it's sort of nice, right? It's like these 10 minutes where we just yeah. like talk to each other and our kids are like, I don't want anything to do with this. Um, So I sort of equate it to, I I joke occasionally that it's sort of like that mom that's sitting in the bathroom, like Uh scrolling through her phone being like, I need five minutes to myself. And I'm like, if you hang dry your clothes, no one will bother you. (laughs) Um, So it's like, instead of taking 10 minutes in the bathroom, you take 10 minutes to hang dry your clothes. um, And you still get that time by yourself, but it's outside and there's fresh air. Um, So so I actually enjoy the process, which is why I do it. Um, I love that. It's, it, it's, there's benefits that like, you know, I'm not using as much energy uh, because I'm not using my dryer. That saves money. That saves energy. There's environmental benefits, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, mostly it's just because I enjoy it and it wasn't that expensive to buy the thing. Yeah, how much was this <laughs> to start? Um, so it's called a Brabantia Rotary Line Dryer. It was, I want to say like $160. Okay. So it's not cheap, but it's not like breaking the bank if you're thinking about using it for a long period of time. Yes. And then I had to buy clothespins and I think I bought 200 of them. Okay. Um, and I use most of them each time that I do laundry. So that's, that seems to be like a good number for our family, which is a family of four.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's something that sounds like simple and therapeutic about it you think yeah. about like what people used to do back in the day like I certainly don't want to hand wash my clothes but correct <laughs> <hanging> <laughs> I do not up, either <laughs> it kind of sounds kind of nice um we talk about this term in our family voluntary hardship have you heard that mm-hmm. term
1: no I haven't well, I mean I can imagine what it means but tell me how you yeah use it.
0: no well like it's partly because we're lazy, but like <laughs> when things break in our house, for instance, like our microwave has literally been broken for like a year and, yeah. and our old house, the same thing happened and we didn't have a microwave for like three years because you realize like you don't really need a microwave. And right. so instead of like spending the time or the money to fix it, we just like don't fix it. So it's, I just say it's a voluntary hardship yeah. because like, you don't, you know, obviously we could fix our microwave. Sure. Um, but there's something really nice about it. Like, for instance, this coffee I was just drinking, like instead of like putting it in the microwave, I put it in a warmed it up in a little tea kettle. And like, yeah, you know, there's just certain things like that. I'm trying to think of other things that we do that are like, oh, there's a voluntary hardship because my sister-in-law is always like, why don't you just fix
1: it? Yeah, there's there's something about like this. There's something about the slowness. I think yes. sometimes that's kind of nice that sort of makes you just slow down a little bit And you're like, oh, I'm going to have to wait five minutes for this to warm up in a tea kettle. Um, And then you're, you know, taking a breath or reading a book for five minutes or listening to a podcast or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, So, yeah. And I think that that's the same. It's the same idea to me with the um, with the hang drying of the clothes is like, you know, it's it's there's a slowness to it that actually feels really nice sometimes. Um, and, And that being said, like there are times where I need to do laundry and it's raining outside and things go in the dryer. Like that's fine. Um, There are certain, you know, like I said, about half of our clothes uh, we put in the dryer because they don't hang dry that well. Like a cotton t-shirt doesn't hang dry nearly as well as say a pair of leggings uh-huh. um, just because of the nature of the fabric. So it depends on what it is, right? Like we, we go back and forth. Um, but yeah, I actually, like I said, I just enjoy the process. And so I embraced it. Um, and we also have on a, on a kind of side note from an environmental perspective, we signed up for something called, um, time of use energy rates. And so we pay different prices for our power Mm -hmm. at different times of day and different utilities around the country have different, like some offer it, some don't, some, they have different ranges and things like that. Um, but the idea is that, you know, when energy is in really high demand. So for me, it's from two to 6 PM, Monday through Friday, we have really high energy prices, like four or five times the normal rate. But outside of that, it's less, like half or less than half of the normal rate. Um, So if we can use most of our energy, like don't use your dryer from two to six, because that's one of your most heavy intensive appliances. Um, So if we use most of our energy outside of 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., it saves us money on our energy bill. And I'm not talking, you know, our energy bill is not going from, you know, $300 to to $10 or something like that. Um, but it's just another, I, another way to, um, kind of help like one, maybe reduce your energy bill by a little bit, depending on your lifestyle habits, right? Like if you have to use energy during those prime peak periods, you're not going to be a good candidate for it. Um, but we were, and so now like, I don't want to use my dryer between two and six. So wine drying in the afternoon makes sense, um, from that perspective. So it's kind of like another, um, another aspect of, incorporating some of those environmental things. Like that was a one-time change that I made that helps us use energy off peak, saves us a little bit of money. Um, It's good from an environmental perspective too, to kind of flatten out the energy use uh, for the utility. How do you
0: do um, that? How to sign up? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I just literally Googled the name of my, my utility and time of use rights and it took me right to their webpage and I just signed up. I like went into my account and signed up. It took me maybe five minutes um, and then they processed it all from there. And I can, I can um, unsign up, I guess <laughs> I can, I can change back to like the normal rates whenever I'd like. So,
0: so. does it, are you, are you just like saying you're not going to use your stuff then or does it get like shut off during those times? Oh no, times?
1: it's, it does not get shut off. It's just, okay. it's just a like, Uh, it it just changes our rates. So they will track. And anytime we use energy between two and six, they just charge us a higher rate per like unit of energy that we use. Um, So no, 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 we don't have, it's not off or anything like that. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't change. If you're desperate, you can't use it. Yes. Yes. And you absolutely can. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of like a guideline. And if we can um, like, so there's, there's sort of like broader environmental benefits to flattening the energy use yeah, on a collective community level. Yeah. Um, so if we can if we can make decisions to use energy outside of those peak periods, regardless of how much we're paying, um, that's just a good thing to do too.
0: Love it. Hey everybody, a quick break here to let you know that I have training plans on my website lseyhind.com. If you are interested in running your first half marathon or marathon and you're looking for a guide to help you get there. I have 14-week half marathon training plans and 18-week marathon training plans, beginner, intermediate, and advanced with pace charts and all the information you need to run a half marathon or a marathon, including pre- and post-run stretching and strength, as well as a video with a strength routine on there for you to do one to two times a week. All the tools you need to run injury-free. Go to lindsayhine.com and just click training plans and you will find them all there. There's also a 5k plan for beginners and it's just $10. Lindsayhine.com for more information. All right, friends, back to the show. If there's like one message of sustainability that you could share with other families, what would it be?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So the thing I always say is start to think about just consuming less and how you're disposing of the things that you actually have so those are the two big things and i mean consuming less will save you money like that's that's a good thing like right even from a personal perspective but being more intentional about what we buy and how we buy it can make a huge difference um it's a little it's definitely it's almost more of a mind shift shift change than like you know changing what our life looks like um it's you know asking yourself just before you sort of impulsively buy something like, do I really need this? Mm -hmm. Could I wait a few days? Maybe I'll buy it next week or maybe I'll buy it next month or something like that. And chances are by the time next week or next month rolls around, like we probably either don't need it. We found something else that works like a tea kettle instead of a microwave, right? Like it, you know, like, is there, is there another way that I can do this? that still works for my life. Um, Or like you waited a month and you've decided like, I still really love this thing. I still really want it. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to love the heck out of this and use the heck out of this. And that's awesome. Um, so that's what I would say. It's just like if you can slow down the consumption and just be more mindful about the things you're buying and be willing to be like, not today. I don't need this today. I'm going to hold off or I'm not going to buy that. I have something else that can serve the same purpose. That's where I would say um, is one of my favorite places to tell people to start.
0: Okay. I don't even want to go there, but I have to go there on Amazon. Sure. I like it's so
1: easy it's so convenient and all right so here's here's my here's my two cents get rid of amazon prime i do not have amazon prime i haven't had amazon prime for a long time get rid of amazon prime you don't you probably don't need it like i'm sure there's someone out there who does right but by and large most of us don't need it that doesn't mean you can never shop on Amazon. You can still buy on Amazon. You can still pay thirty-five dollars and get free shipping, um, but it just means that like it's not nearly as tempting. You're going to do a double take to be like, maybe I should buy this somewhere else, or maybe I don't really need this. Um, so that's my that's my recommendation, and that's what I would love to see more people do um, is to get rid of Amazon Prime.
0: I'm tempted. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of my issues with getting rid of it though is the um the streaming.
1: So we have Spotify, and we have Netflix, and we have YouTube TV. Yeah. Um, so we have other things that ha- that replace that. And because um, we had Amazon Prime, actually, for many years, we had it. And there was like one show in particular that we kept it around for because my boys loved to watch um, Wildcats. I don't know if yeah, you know that yeah. show. Yeah. They loved to watch Wildcrats, And it was only available in a streaming format on Amazon Prime. And we ended up, Figuring out that we could record it on YouTube TV, and so after, so we just set the library up to record all the Wildcrats episodes, and then like after a month or two, we had our own library of Wildcrats episodes, (laughs) and we didn't need Amazon Prime streaming anymore, Um, and we had plenty of other things to watch on Netflix and you know wherever else we were we were um, looking for things. So there are definitely reasons why people want it. I don't dispute that. I totally get it. Um, But again, it kind of goes back to that consumption mindset of like are there other better options or are there other options that are just as good that can replace this and then like take away that um that sort of create that barrier to consumption right like that that's actually a good barrier to consumption to not have amazon prime um to to make you think a little bit more like oh maybe i don't want to pay shipping today or like maybe i don't need this or um maybe i maybe you can wait until i have enough to you know get to the free shipping threshold or something like that. Um, So, so yeah, I, I guess I would challenge people to like get back again, get back to that consumption mindset of like, are there other options that I can use and do I really need something like Amazon prime?
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, we would all spend less if we didn't have Amazon prime. It's so easy. It's just like, click, 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 click. (laughs) Right. Um, I also wonder, like I, I haven't watched a show on Amazon prime in a while. I do want to watch Daisy Jones and the six, but I'm like, can I could probably just buy it. Like I don't know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the answer to, yeah, that. Yeah, just, like, the answer to that question. Purchase.
1: I know that there are, so full disclosure, like I'm not a fan of Amazon. If you can go on my website and like, I have some stuff yeah. on there that says like, I'm not, it, it goes into reasons why I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I know there are people who are, that's totally okay. Um, so there are like, there are things that Amazon has and it's the thing with like Netflix and other content um companies as well like there are certain things that they have exclusive content rights to Mm -hmm. I don't know if that show is one of them um but yes there are definitely going to be certain shows where like you need certain things to watch them yeah um yeah so it it kind of depends right and and I think the uh, like what I what I might suggest too is like not saying you shouldn't watch that show But like, it gets, again, it gets back to that same question of like, do I really need to watch that show? Mm -hmm. Are there other shows that are just as interesting that might be just as good that are already available to me somewhere else? Um, That doesn't mean watching that show is bad because it's on Amazon. That's not what I'm saying. Maybe you decide like, that is the show I want to watch and I have to have Amazon to do it. I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. Um, but, But again, it's just that constantly like and it's not hard. Like it just sort of becomes second nature, honestly, when you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll watch something else or yeah. maybe I'll buy something else or maybe I'll skip that purchase this time. Um, it's a little bit counterculture. Like it feels a little bit like swimming upstream sometimes because that's just not like we live in this like consumption obsessed world. Um, but but yeah, it's step back and just ask yourself and maybe the answer will, will be like, I still want it, but maybe it won't.
0: Whew. even, even. even <laughs> you've motivated me. You've motivated me. Um, okay. Last two questions. Yes. Tell me about this hike 40 that you're doing.
1: Yeah. Um, so I turned 40 this year. I turned 40 in June and I thought, or July, not June. It's not my birthday. It's not in June. Um, but anyways, so I, I had all these people asking me like, what are you going to do for your 40th birthday? You have to do something amazing. And I'm not generally a person who celebrates like a lot of birthdays. Um, but people were like, you're turning 40. And I was like, I, I, I finally said to them, I'm not doing anything. Like, I don't really want to turn 40. Um, but obviously I have to, I don't have a choice. Um, (laughs) so I was like, I'm not doing anything. And my friends and family were like, that's ridiculously lame. That's not the right answer. Try again. Um, so I said, fine, I'll try again. And so what I ended up deciding to do, I had, I had like wavered back and forth. Like, do I want to take some amazing trip and go somewhere incredible? If I did, do I want to go with my husband, with my sisters, with my kids? Like, do I want to stay local? Um, For those who are kind of like living in the the sustainability space, like travel has all of this, like, like eco guilt associated with it, Mm -hmm. Um, the planes and all that, whatever, so anyways, what I ended up deciding to do was do 40 hikes to celebrate turning 40. I like, I like hiking. I like being outside in nature and those 40 hikes could be a combination of, um, really close to home or a road trip away. Or, um, if I was traveling anyways, I could do a hike where I was going. So I was actually in California for work, um, and to visit family a few weeks ago. So I did three hikes while I was there. Um, so it could be by myself. It could be with my husband. It could be with my kids. So I kind of incorporated like all of those different things that I was thinking about and it doesn't involve buying anything, which also was nice. Like, I don't need anything. I don't need like a tangible thing. There wasn't anything that I was thinking like, wow, if I had this thing and I, when I was turning 40, like I would feel so much better. Um, there, there wasn't anything like that was that, that was like fulfilling me. Um, and so, yeah, so now I have, I started it. Um, back in February. And my goal is to finish. It's a little bit more than a year, but by the time, like before I am no longer 40, right. So that'll be like the summer of 2024.
0: Okay.
1: Um, is to do 40 hikes in that period, 40 different hikes. They can be, like you said, they can be short, they can be long. Um, it's been a combination of like, so far I've done eight and it's been a combination of everything from like local parks near where I live to, um, Joshua tree national park in California while I was out there by myself so yeah yeah
0: that is so cool I'm also turning 40 in August oh yeah nice lots of feelings on that
1: yeah have you decided like any anything to do for it you're still no
0: I feel the same way like I'm like with the trip thing you're like do I do just get my husband do I pick a friend or like a couple or you know and I I kind of am just like I kind of just want to like invite everybody I love here where we live and be like, come if you can. And yeah. if you can't, that's okay. And I don't know what I would even do, but <laughs> I, I like, yeah. to me, what makes me the most happy would be being around all the people that I love. And so yeah. I don't know though, I need to figure it out because if I am going to invite people to come to North Carolina that don't live here, I they need to get a little
1: help. <laughs> 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 that's, yeah. My husband actually like, he's very much an extrovert and loves like hanging out with people and being around people. So he turned 40 last year. Um, and he had a, he had a party. He yeah. just invited did like guys all house? these people to our house. We did. Yeah. See, Cause I thought about did. that
0: too, but then I was like, that seems like a lot of work. Like,
1: so we actually had, um, we, we like our parties are just sort of a lot of like showing up. We yeah. have a pool table and we have a ping pong table. So that kind of like gave us some activities to do. Um, we had it catered. Yeah. But like when I say I catered, we ordered Chipotle, yeah, like Chipotle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. right? Like I'm not talking like we had some fancy catering company come in. Um, we did Chipotle for like, I don't know, 50 people or whatever yeah. was here. Um, Chipotle, like it, a lot of people like Chipotle. It, you know, you when you do the that, catering, like, like, you can't, yeah, like,
0: if, it, if it you're trying, it so, yeah. it's your party like for yes. your birthday it made it so much
1: easier yeah and we had it delivered so like it just showed up it took me 15 minutes to like set it up yeah. um there's always people who want to help like set up and clean yeah. up and stuff like that and I was like you know bring it on like if you want to help me set this up and clean this up like I'm absolutely willing to accept your help um so so yeah that's what we did oh, and he gosh. had a blast it was awesome
0: I gotta figure it out but I actually also similar to your 40 hikes I when I when January came around I was like okay this is the year I'm turning 40 I need to think of like a project or something exciting to do every month or something and like yeah here it is in April (laughs) 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 but I'm like I still have time to think of something I don't know it can also be
1: like the year that you're 40 so maybe you're gonna start in August and go to August of next year
0: that's right that's right you got time it love it um all right Wrapping up questions, what yes. is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done?
1: Um, so I think I actually maybe want to start a podcast someday. Nice. Um, speaking I was of looking this, to
0: see if you had one.
1: Yes, I I do not right now. I feel like I don't have the time to to take it on, but down the road, maybe. Um, yeah, that's that's one thing professionally I would like to do. Personally, I think I want to have chickens someday. You mentioned chickens. I'm not like a pet person. We don't even have a dog or a cat or like fish or anything. Um, but I'm very intrigued by the idea. So we shall see.
0: I mean, I feel like you and your composting ways could definitely be <laughs> the chickens for sure. For yes, sure. So uh, what is the best, most recent book you've read?
1: Um, okay. So I read a book This in the parenting vein. I read a book called Hunt, Gather, Parent. And it has Ooh, a long subtitle. That. Something like what ancient cultures should benefit from. It was an amazing book. Um, I thought it was amazing at least. And I, the reason I liked it is I feel like um, there's all this like new parenting stuff, right? Like we should parent X, Y, and Z. And she really gets into like, Hey guys, why don't we look at what humans did for like 10,000 years before us? Yeah. That was like pretty much the same and worked for a really, really long time. Um, maybe we should take a look at what they did and see if we can apply some of that to today's world. So hunt, gather, parent, like I said, I can't exactly remember the long subtitle. Um, I really liked the book and, um, one of the, a, a, sort of one of the biggest takeaways that I liked is she talks a lot about sort of like raising or one of my takeaways at least was, was raising kids as a village and not just relying on like two parents, right? Like if we look back in history, nobody was raising kids children with just two parents and, and sometimes one parent work and just one parent at home being primarily responsible for like all of the childcare. Um, that's incredibly stressful. And she, she, so she really encourages among other things, um, sharing parenting and, and child raising responsibilities with like other people in your, in your village, whatever that is. So
0: I love I'm that a fan. so much. And I, and I think that like, there's two things with that is like one, a lot of us don't live next To family because of of choice. I mean, we moved away. That was our choice. But also, like, if nobody else is asking for help, you don't want to ask for help. And you don't want to be the person that feels like you're constantly the burden. But if we would all work together. Like, I love it when a neighbor asks me if I can help with their kids. I'm like, yes, "Yes, please. Because, like, one day I'm going to want you to do the same for me. Um, But if nobody's ever asking, then we can never have the village. Yes.
1: And it's funny you mention that because literally just a couple of weeks ago, um, there is and like offer up to help too, right? Yes. Like be the person who starts on both yes, sides. Start the conversation. Um, there is a friend that I had, I needed to drop off one of my boys before school. I had to take my other child somewhere else, my other son somewhere else. Um, and so I had to ask a neighbor like, Hey, can I leave my son with you at seven 30 in the morning on a school day for 15 minutes until he gets on the bus with her kids who are the same age and whatever. Um, and she literally said to me, she's like, I'd love that you ask me to do this because it makes me feel comfortable asking you for favors yes. down the road. Yes. And it's so true. Like be the first person to ask, be the first person to offer. Like just, and it's so helpful, right? Like it's so helpful so if we can, helpful. if we know we have like those people um, that can, they can take the heat off sometimes.
0: Yeah. And like, there's going to be times when like you need more help than normal and vice versa. And yes. Yeah. Like I had a friend for the other sure. day asked me if, she could come over for 20 minutes with her kids cause she had a call and she was like, I, I can't be like distra You know, they can't jump in on yeah. this call cause it's important. And I'm like, yes, please, please yeah, do. Like exactly. I want you to. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Okay. Do you have a kid's book you recommend?
1: Um, like a picture book or like a chapter book or whatever,
0: just like something you're um, like,
1: yeah. which my boys like? Um, well I have on my blog actually, I have tons of picture book lists, um, that I like that are all around like environmental type stuff. Um, There's a book that I really love called the curious garden by Peter Brown. And it's about a little boy who it's a picture book. It's about a little boy who takes his sort of like concrete, uh, smoggy section of the city rundown and starts to plant a garden and eventually like creates this really beautiful, lovely thriving, um, space and what used to be like an old train track and now it has like all of these flowers everywhere and stuff and so it's like he just decided like i am going to make this space better and i'm going to do what i can and i'm going to do my little things to make this space better and beautiful um so i love that book again it's called the curious garden and then um the other thing i will recommend this has nothing to do with like environmentalism or anything but my boys really loved the mr Lemoncello chapter book series do you know that that, that series no i don't um Gosh, I'm gonna have to. I'll email you the, the exact name of the book, but it's, um, it's like that. Mr. Lemoncello has like a magic library, and there's a series of four books, and there's like puzzles built into the books, and it's very creative. Um, but anyways, Mr. M- if you if you look up like the Mr. M- Mr. Limoncello series, you'll find it.
0: So. I like. I wish I could get my boys to care about reading more. They just they're not yeah. into it. I think that my third might end up being my one that's most into it but yeah. my oldest like he does not want to read ever he wants to just yeah. play outside or, and if he's not playing outside he wants to get on video games or uh-huh. whatever yeah. I mean they're super active kids but like they don't care about reading and I love to read <laughs> I want to yeah, instill I know. that I haven't done a good job with it
1: though it's tough it's tough and it's a long it's a long road I don't have any I don't have any great ideas. I know. I, just, I, always I read to my I, kids all the time, but like that doesn't necessarily work for other kids. I like if you, know, you other get into families, the
0: story, so. you will love it just as much as you love a movie or a TV series. Yeah. You just have to get yourself into the story.
1: Yeah. Exactly. We'll see.
0: You know what? My husband doesn't like to read. And he's fine. He's totally functional. Great. My you husband
1: know? does not read at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, at all. So.
1: He is very literate. He is very smart. He does not read books Same. for pleasure at Same. all.
0: Same. <laughs> I just read Boy- Boys in the Boat, and I'm like, you know what? Oh I yeah. I feel like you would like this book. I don't think he's read a book in 10 years.
1: I, yeah, my, my husband and I have been married for like, oh my gosh, we've been together for like almost 20 years. It'll be almost 20 years. Um, I think he's read one book the entire time that I've (laughs) known him. Okay. One book. Yeah. They'll be all right. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Last message to leave with our audience.
1: Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to come back to that, like the less stuff. Message right. It was. It, it's sort of the same idea. I think that's that's the really just be being mindful about our consumption and seeing if we can uh, make a concerted effort to just not buy so much stuff. And I think that goes a long way in um, one helping the planet, two saving money, and three um, just you know being happy with the things that we have and not being inundated with stuff that you know two days after we buy it we're like well I, I can donate this now. <laughs> Um, so that's my, that's my, my parting words is just see if you can be a little bit more mindful about what you buy and maybe, maybe, um, save some money buying a little bit less stuff.
0: And an idea for a follow-up episode, as you're talking about that is like how to teach our kids to live that lifestyle and not sure. feel like, Oh, but so-and-so has this, or I yes. know you can't afford it. So why aren't we buying it? And that's, yes. that's a whole thing.
1: Yes. That to be is continued. A... Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts. I'll save it for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lindsay.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Jen, for coming on the show. You all can find Jen honestly, modern is her Instagram. You can find me personally. I am Lindsay Hines 626. And this podcast is Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram as well. Learn more about this show and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. You can click on the Why Is Everyone Yelling tab and get the show notes to this conversation. All the links to the books we talked about, everything will be in the show notes. If you want to be added to our mailing list, you can sign up on the website as well at sandyboyproductions.com. Just make sure you are under the Why Is Everyone Yelling tab. All right, friends, thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?